0: Detroit
1: Strange. Energy. Energy.
2: (laughs) Welcome back to Detroit Strange.
1: This podcast.
2: The one you're listening to. Right now. With all the energy.
1: That's our little warm up. Yeah. How many ways can you say it? energy
2: energy energy
1: next time we do it with accents
2: yes (laughs) i've been doing so many accents lately just like walking around my house and just like
1: that's when i do the most accents yeah Yeah, it's fun
2: yeah i was doing a german one today it wasn't very good but like
1: eins bei drei yeah
2: (laughs) like i was specifically thinking of the German woman from Cabaret. Oh, I don't think you've seen Cabaret. Have you seen Cabaret?
1: I actually have not, no. The closest I've gotten is the Schitt's Creek
2: okay, version. Okay. <laughs> it's a fantastic movie. Oh,
1: yeah. I've heard wonderful things.
2: But like the main character is an English teacher and he's teaching this German woman, the uh, Landauer. I can't remember her first name. But her last name is Landauer. Okay. And she just like doesn't get like idioms,
1: which like is oh, hard yeah.
2: when you're like learning a different language. Oh, yeah. Of, like, how do you explain something like.
1: That's not The shoe literal. is on the other foot or yeah.
2: like, you know, just like weird things. Yeah. So I unlocked an achievement called uh, the game is a foot. And I'm like, the game is, no, the game is a game. That's not a, <laughs> why is it a foot? Where did this foot come from? Mm-hmm. It's not a foot. It's a game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My German accent, but I can't, it's not good. You're not going to do it now. No. Uh,
1: hundreds of ears are disappointed <laughs> everywhere. Losses, does. That was the name of an early episode. Yes.
2: Yeah. Callback.
1: I forget what it was about, but it was a title. Yeah.
3: Must be hotel. It was yes. Leland, the
1: Leland Hotel. Yep. I don't know why. So yeah. So if you uh haven't heard that episode, shout yeah. out, sh- shout out, shout back to that episode. Yeah. Uh. Wow. Yeah. Really strong start here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Unintentional
1: callbacks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh just to be this isn't a callback thing but just um so you know when you like think something or say something and then it starts like popping up other places yeah some people categorize it like a synchronicity or something but like you know it's just it's weird whatever it is is weird so our episode that came out last week or last episode uh we had recorded it like three or four weeks beforehand yeah and it just we were both traveling and a lot of things happened and yeah. we took a little spring break. We did. I was just thinking
2: about how it had been a minute since you recorded. Yeah. I was excited. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I was listening to a podcast that I'm sure some of the people who listen to this one also listen to. The, I think it was this week's episode or it might have even been last week's. They talked about and they're just like they chit chat on it. And they talked about some of the stuff we talked about, uh-huh. uh, including but not limited to. They talked about uh, the TV show I talked about, the starring Andrew Garfield. They okay. also talked about uh, under. It's a really long title. Now under I the Tuscan Sun. No, not no. under the Tuscan Sun. Um, the one about LDS. The the one about the Mormon. Oh. Um, murder in the eighties. Oh 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 oh. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's on Hulu right now, and it has a very long title, but it's—I've been watching it. It's good. Okay, it's not the one with Renee Zelliger, right? No, no, no. It stars yeah. Andrew Garfield.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. that's why we talked.
1: We talked about Andrew Garfield. I thought a like
2: we. Okay,
1: sorry. No, no, on no you're the same good. Page I now. I edit the episode, so I hear them, you know, yeah. multiple times, and so they talked about that on this podcast. And then the weirdest thing—remember I told you because we were talking about camping at the end of the episode for our two truths? Yeah. And I told you about the De La Top Pass. Yeah. They talked about that and it wasn't like the subject of their episode. And I was yeah. like, this is so weird. Cause like our, I listened to it and I was like, that's the episode I'm editing right now has all of this stuff in it. Why does it have this in it? Cause those are very, yeah. the show makes more sense, but the De La Top Pass is like very specific. Right. It's like, that's so
2: weird. What show, what podcast was it again? Did you already say?
1: I didn't. Oh. Uh, it's my favorite murder. I like to leave oh, okay, a little mystery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, It's a bit of a popular podcast. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I heard of her. Yeah, exactly. But it was real wild. And I was like, oh, they talk like us. Yeah. (laughs) About the same exact things on relatively the same time. Yeah. (laughs) Which is weird. I've been listening to a lot more podcasts recently. Same. Well, actually, I've been listening to a podcast and catching up recently.
2: Is it the Nicole Byer one? It's a
1: Nicole Byer one. She has many. (laughs) I know.
2: It's not... It's not um, Why Won't You Date Me. No, it's we've new- talked about this before. I can't remember which
1: Newcomers one.
2: Newcomers. With that's, Lauren Lapkus. That's not a recap one, is it? It's
1: they... They die... So every... The Marvel ones. Yeah, yes. Well, right now it's Marvel. Every season, they kind of dive into like a movie franchise world. Because um, they did Star Wars, right? Yeah. They've done Star Wars. They've done Tyler Perry. There was one where Lauren was out uh, for maternity leave. Yeah. And they did um, Fast and Furious. Uh-huh. And then they did... I said Lord of the Rings already. I think. Yeah. And then I think yeah. And now it's Marvel. I think this is. Yeah. I don't think I'm missing one, but it's it's a very fun listen. I yeah. enjoy it a lot. But it's fun because they don't necessarily like like the things they're watching always. Yeah. And they're very much not afraid to say what they actually feel or think about things. Yeah. But then also like on the opposite side of that when they like it it's a lot of fun too. So yeah. Yeah.
2: That's fun. I was actually like that reminds me of a podcast that we were both on. Just yeah. so think about uh sharing a scaring recently. Oh,
1: love them. Yeah. Love that show.
2: I know. I went to Ferndale Pride last weekend. And I remembered last year, it was the day we were supposed to record together, and I like my phone was on Do Not Disturb. So like and I felt so bad. I was like, I need to go down to Pride to apologize to Brandy Joe. And I was like walking around. I'm thinking, like, I wonder if I'll see Brandy Joe today. I Aww. didn't. But I was thinking about them. Yeah. Yeah so
4: i I hope they're doing well i (laughs) hope
1: yeah i I hope they're doing well too but now it's sounding like yeah we don't have access to finding out right but yeah no that they're they're so great and they're so good at putting out episodes and the content is very good as well yeah you know they know their stuff and they choose some really fun things and yeah they're another one that well, we've talked about this before like you don't necessarily need to have watched the movie to still enjoy it. Right. Oh,
2: for sure sometimes yeah. it's more fun cuz you're kind of just like hearing them basically like
1: talk about how wild it was or right. something, yeah.
2: Like, it's kind of how I feel about the um like the Trixie and Katia watch on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes mm-hmm. like it's more entertaining watching someone else watch it or listen, like hearing someone else read can't a story than yeah. the actual story itself because you need to kind of see if the story itself is worth it.
1: Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's like a Reader's I mean, Digest scenario. That's kind of the whole... Th- one of the reasons that Twitch became yeah. very popular. You know, that's basically yeah. what Twitch is, is people either watching something and commenting the whole time or uh, playing something.
2: I've been thinking about getting into Twitch recently. Just I think it'd be fun. <laughs> I
1: just had this conversation literally last night with people. Really? Yeah. Well... Roommate Lisa and I, during like deep pandemic, yeah, had thought about doing a Twitch channel. Well, actually, we even created it. We just didn't put up any content. Oh, yes. Yeah. I did the same thing. I can't wait to hear what yours is. Oh, it, this will come as no shocker, but it was watching Ghost Adventures. Love it. <laughs> because while we were actually doing that in real life, we had a lot to say. And I was like, we might as well record ourselves doing this because... Right it might be fun we'll see and then we got kind of like scared of copyright <laughs> yeah i i don't really like fully
2: understand how twitch works but i tried to
1: read up on it too and it did not make more sense because i originally started because i thought it'd be
2: so funny my username was nancy crew oh my whole thing was like just playing like streaming the nancy drew games Okay. Like me just playing them because like they're so stupid and like it's just puzzles, so just be frustrated or like me and my friend Annie like talking about them or something. But like I just really couldn't figure out Twitch, but like I feel like now that it's like on consoles, maybe it's easier. I don't know. I just love giving commentary. I don't even think anyone would watch.
1: Oh no, I commentary is a lot of fun. Yeah, and I enjoy I enjoy watching it and I enjoy doing it. So yeah. But yeah, comments are fun.
2: Yeah. No, I love giving commentary.
1: Yeah. Speaking of fun. Yes. We had a very fun show last night. We did. I got to live a teenage dream of mine and play Blanche Devereaux on a stage. I thought your teenage
2: (laughs) dream was to play like a 50-something-year-old woman.
1: Oh, it totally was. No, I mean. I get it. I say teen, but I mean like early college teen. Yeah,
2: early 20s. Yeah.
1: And. My friends and I, you know, it was Golden Girls was in high syndication at that point in time. Yeah. So it was like on TV constantly watched a lot of it. Yeah. Thought it was great. You know, it's, it is great. It is. It's a phenomenal really good. show. And, you know, we all assigned ourselves a role. Yeah. And I got Blanche. So always had a soft spot for Blanche. I mean, really a soft spot for all of them, though. I don't know how you can choose a favorite because yeah. they're all amazing in in different ways, you know. Oh, for sure. But yeah, I got to wear a Blanche wig, which a lot of people really liked. And I don't know how I feel about that.
2: All the wigs were really on point. They for were very the, on all point. all the characters.
1: But I kept pe- getting people be like, oh, that wig is good on you. And I was like, I don't know if you're saying I should have this haircut. Uh, but <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I think it's just kind
2: of like you have a face that can do a lot of hairstyles.
1: Maybe, yeah, maybe, but but it was a lot of fun and just a dream.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. I like was feeling the fantasy. I was playing like a Miami, deli- like a shady Miami delivery mm-hmm. guy.
1: I just realized who you look like and now I'm, okay, so you know how there's like a bunch of stars who actually like started on gold or had small roles on yeah, Golden Girls yeah. when they were like 20 or something like that before they were like, yeah. you know, A-listers or whatever. Why am I forgetting his name? He's. He was on.
2: What was the episode about?
1: I can't even remember. But he's like he was like a young kid. And for some reason they were helping him. But I can't remember. But. Not AC Slater, right? No. OK. No, no. I was like, Mario oh. Lopez. Yeah. Uh, not Mario Lopez. No, it was the ER guy. George Clooney. No. George Clooney. Really? Yeah. You think? Just a little bit because the way you entered and kind of like the energy of that and I could see I that. I don't actually. know
2: why, but George Clooney sometimes serves a chaotic energy. Yeah,
1: I need to rewatch that clip too. It's been like a long time. But yeah. that and maybe it's just you know dark hair or something like that too. Yeah, but yeah, because they did always ha- and like you would have been the the one to to go on and be on, you know, a big network television show for like a decade after that. Yeah. You would have become a star if that had been a real episode last night. I don't think I could make
2: it on network TV. I swear too much. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a streaming exclusive. I'm a streaming exclusive. (laughs) Some things, some things are still edited on streaming, but like, I know Drag Race isn't, they let all the curse words fly and I love it.
1: I mean, television is completely different now because it's yeah, not television. Right. It's streaming vision. Yeah. No, the but Golden yeah, the, the, show. The, sorry. Oh, I was going to say the conga line at the end was a lot of fun.
2: Oh, yeah. The conga line lost its way a bit. Yeah. But it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed it. It's a nice spin uh, on the
2: I was They're really, always ending with a dance party theme we've got going on. I was
1: uh, really happy that everybody thought, also thought that was a good idea when I just like randomly was like, it should be a conga line. I was like, yes. And I was like, ooh, yes, we're on the same page. And I'm glad
2: we were able to get conga by Gloria Estefan. Yes, that was so
1: perfect. It was great.
2: Uh, it really fit with the Miami theme.
1: It did 100%. Yeah. 100%. 110%, even some might yeah. say. Uh, well, good times. Yeah. Are you ready for I'm probably so not a good a story. story? I mean, yeah. not that the story is bad, but the content. Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, I'm very ready for a story.
1: It's a what kind of story. Uh, so are you ready for a what yeah. story? A come again?
3: Confused?
1: Well, yes. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the radioactive Boy Scout? Yes. You have. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about the radioactive Boy Scout today. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Because, funny story, I had just recently, in the past like year, heard about this. Yeah. And then when I was visiting my parents in Florida, like a few weeks ago, we were watching something on the History Channel. And first of all, they were like going all over telling just weird little history stories. Yeah. Then they did something that was at the Henry Ford in Dearborn. And then right after that, they did this story. So it was like weird because they said Dearborn on TV. And I was like, oh, I know her. Yeah. And then they said Commerce Township, Michigan. And I was like, oh, I know her because I grew up there. Yeah. And so it's just on my radar. So I wanted to learn a little bit more about it. Absolutely. So he's also known as Nuclear Boy Scout. And uh, basically, this is the story of the Neutron Gun and Breeder Reactor.
2: Oh, that reminds me of the Neutron Dance by the Pointer Sisters. Great song. (laughs)
1: So, we are going to bounce around a little bit. Right now, we're going to go about 40 minutes northwest of the city to Commerce Township and back to June 26, 1994, for a most unusual event. Yes. A little about commerce from an expert. Yes. Commerce is an interesting space. There's a lot of lakes, so very curvy roads out there. Uh huh. Takes at least 20 minutes to get everywhere from everywhere. Uh huh. And just to give you a sense of, because there's so many lakes and curvy the curvy roads exist, you can literally be at the intersection of commerce, commerce, and commerce. Oh my god. hmm It's real fun. That's a, it's a it's a little commerce township joke uh, Yeah, we really like to share. From a and-
2: SME, a subject <laughs> matter expert.
1: <laughs> but it is it's a suburb of the city. Yeah. It's adjacent to farms kind of, but not it's kind as of good many to that border anymore. between
2: suburban and rural.
1: Yeah, it's getting a little farther from the rural more and more as time goes on. Yeah. But there, there's there's some out there still. Yeah. So now we're going to talk a little bit about June 26, 1994. This is when Dottie Pease was on Pinto Drive, which was in the neighborhood next to my middle school. And she saw a half dozen men crossing her neighbor's lawn. Three of the men were in respirators and white moon suits, and they were dismantling her neighbor's shed with electric saws then stuffing the pieces into large steel drums covered in radioactive warning signs. Oh my God. So some neighbors gathered, nerves shot up a little bit, and employees of the EPA, so the Environmental Protection Agency, told them that there was nothing to fear. But the truth was that the shed was dangerously irradiated, and the EPA would go on later to admit that up to 40,000 residents of the area were potentially at risk. Ooh, not ideal. So I think I was at risk. (laughs) Oh, shit. Do you glow at dark? I don't think so. But we didn't. I lived like a 10 minute drive from there. Oh, you're fine. Yeah. But 40,000. I'm like, I think that still includes like. Yeah. 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 I had a lot of friends who lived in that neighborhood, though, when I was in middle school. So
2: just like keep an eye on their photos. See if their hair starts falling out randomly.
1: I blame this. Yeah. So, what happened? And I know you know some of this, but we're going to go along for it. Yeah, no. So, you. enter young, shy 17 year old David Hahn. You see, he had attempted to build a nuclear reactor in his mother's shed in an attempt to earn his Eagle Scout status. Okay. But that's probably not the whole story, right? There's I, a bit more to it. Yeah.
2: I'm like familiar with the concept of Eagle Scout stories because my brother-in-law is an Eagle Scout. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what he did, but I'm pretty sure he got a piece of paper with mama's signature on it for it. So oh, we'll
1: talk a little bit about that. Oh, we're this. Yeah. Okay. Just like a quick little yeah. this is what Eagle Scout. Yeah. So a little bit though, we're going to go back in time. We're going to learn a little bit more about David. Okay. So he was born October 30th, 1976. He was blonde haired, a bit gangly. He played things like baseball, soccer, and as mentioned was a Boy Scout. Uh-huh. While his childhood activities were pretty common, uh, his parents, Ken and Patty, had divorced when he was a toddler. Mm -hmm. So David mostly stayed in Clinton Township at his father's house and lived with his father and his stepmother, Kathy. Mm -hmm. But he spent his weekends in the Gold Manor subdivision, Mm -hmm. as mentioned, Pinto Drive, uh, with his mother and her boyfriend, Michael Polasek. When David was 10, his stepmother, Kathy's father, gave him the Golden Book of Chemistry Experiments. Oh, yeah. David was hooked. The book gave instructions on things like how to set up a home lab for experiments, some as simple as evaporation and filtration, up to making rayon and alcohol. Well, that's fun. <laughs> David thought so, too. Yeah. By age 12, he advanced into his father's college chemistry textbooks. And by the age of 14, he had managed to produce nitro- nitroglycerin. That's a lot. Yeah. Wow! If I'm having a hard time with nitroglycerin, just wait for some of the other words coming up.
2: Girl, I did three years of that nitroglycerin. (laughs) Just all the science words. That's why I was like excited
1: to tell you this story because I was like, "This is so up Alex's alley." Like,
2: I'm so I yeah.
1: I did a fairly deep dive. I'm so excited. So in school, he wasn't a particularly engaged student, and he actually fell behind in many subjects like math and reading, but never in science. Even in science, though. If it wasn't an area of science that he wasn't interested in, he kind of
3: yeah, um, blew it off
1: a little bit.
2: Can relate to that. Mm-hmm.
1: And David, in his teenage years, held a series of after school jobs at the usual kinds of places, you know, fast food, grocery stores, for, in a furniture warehouse, which I guess is not quite usual, but <laughs> one of his jobs. And at that time, you know, most teens were working to finance things like going to the movies, getting CDs, the mall, like whatever. Yeah. But David worked to finance his experiments. Cars. Mm -hmm. So at his father's house in Clinton Township, he set up a lab in his small bedroom. He bought beakers, Bunsen burners, test tubes, and more. By the age of 14, he had fabricated nitroglycerin, as mentioned. And while his parents were not too happy about the chemical spills and small blasts that would happen occasionally in his lab, which was also his bedroom, they did admire his interest in science. So nobody ever, you know, got in his way. Yeah. Then one day, David destroyed his bedroom. The walls were badly pocked and the carpet was stained and it had to be replaced. Yeah. Kathy's stepmother told him no more experimenting upstairs and he was told he could use the basement. Uh Uh-huh. One evening, Ken and Kathy were sitting watching TV when all of a sudden there was a large explosion in the basement, like bigger than the usual ones. Ken and Kathy rushed downstairs to discover a semi-conscious David on the floor, his eyebrows literally smoking.
2: It's classic. Mm-hmm. Classic.
1: He had been pounding red phosphorus.
2: Oh, that, that's that's a potent substance.
1: Mm-hmm. And for anybody who's not familiar with it, it's why matches work. Yeah. It, with a screwdriver, which resulted in it becoming ignited as it's pyrophoric. Yeah. He was quickly taken to the hospital to have his eyes flushed and be checked out, as he also had shards of what it exploded out of. In his eyes as well, because that's Girl, how that works.
2: Wear goggles.
1: Mm-hmm. And he would have to make trips regularly to an ophthalmologist to have these pieces of plastic phosphorus container plucked from his eyes. Again, goggles. Yep. Kathy then told David, "No more experimenting at the house. Yeah. No, you're done. Fair. You're done." This is when David decided to start doing the experiments in his mother's shed with a, I believe, handmade sign that read "Caution." C-A-U-S-H-O-N on the outside. Work. <laughs> I knew we, love like,
2: a, we love a science king who... Cannot spelling. Tell. Yeah. Spelling. Yeah.
1: It wasn't his subject. Right. So his mother and her boyfriend thought it was a bit strange when he did things like wore a gas mask while in the shed or would sometimes... Oh, so
2: now he learned. He, he learned little bit. He least. learned a little bit,
1: yeah. Uh, a little bit. Uh, We're not yeah, going to say fair. too much yet, but... He would also get rid of his clothing from time to time, frequently would work until like 2 a.m. So very late nights, but they didn't question it too much. And David tried to explain the experiments to him. He wasn't not telling them on purpose right. or anything like but that. It
2: was all, like, parents understand what you're learning in school all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think his dad kind of understood a little bit more because it was his dad's chemistry books and things like that. Yeah. But this is his mom and right. her boyfriend. And they basically kind of, like, Most of nice, it went sweetie. over their heads, yeah, and they like were very much like I didn't understand, you know. Yeah. So his mother's boyfriend remembers him trying to explain a project and saying that it had something to do with energy and basically that one of these days we're going to run out of oil, and David wanted to do something about that. Yeah. So that was kind of a thing. This thought was probably from the Golden Book of Chemistry Experiments, uh-huh. which literally states, "quote." chemists of the future, working with their brother scientists, the physicists, will find new ways of harnessing and using the atoms of numerous elements, some of them unknown to the scientists of today. Do you want to share in the making of that astonishing and promising future? Oh, yeah. So around this time, his father and stepmother, Ken and Kathy, thought he needed some other things to focus on as well. Enter the Boy Scouts uh, and Eagle Scouts. Yeah. As a Boy Scout, he was always enthusiastic, but even more so about experiments. Uh, yeah. That's still, you know. One time he showed up to the Scouts, Orange, after an overdose of, and I'm sorry for my pronunciation, but we're going to do as best we can with these, canthaxothin, Sure. Which he was using to test methods of artificial tanning. So he showed up as an Oompa Loompa. And on the same trip cuz this is like, you know, overnight camping. Yeah. He and his fellow campers blew a hole in the communal tent when they accidentally ignited some powdered magnesium that he had brought to make fireworks. Brought his own magnesium to make fireworks.
2: You got to respect the hustle where this kid is getting all these
1: chemicals from. Just wait. Yeah. Just you wait the hu- We'll get the into the hustle. The
2: hustle's a little bit much. We're
1: getting into the hustle in a second. Yeah. Uh, in a different time at camp, he was expelled for stealing a number of smoke detectors.
2: Yeah, that's that's sketch.
1: Just a sidebar about the scouts, like I said, just to go through the process a bit. Eagle scouts must show, quote unquote, scout spirit and earn 21 merit badges to become a full-fledged Eagle scout. Yeah. 11 are mandatory, so like things like first aid, citizenship in the community. Things of that nature. Yeah. And then the final 10 are optional from like a long list of them. There are dozens to choose from, ranging from things like business to woodworking, you know, everything yeah. in between. David was a member of Clinton Township Troop 371, and he had his sights set on atomic energy, the atomic energy badge. Yep. <laughs> because there's an atomic energy badge.
2: Of course there is.
1: So the pamphlet for this badge was prepared with the help of Westinghouse Electric the American Nuclear Society, and the Edison Electric Institute. And at its very core, it was very pro-nuclear. Uh-huh. It suggests that critics of atomic energy came from a long line of naysayers and states, quote, If America decides for or against nuclear power plants based on fear and misunderstanding, that is wrong. We must first know the truth about atomic energy before we can decide to use it or to stop it. Yeah. Which I don't know what year that was written in or anything like that. So putting it in the context of the year might, you know, change one's opinion of that statement now. But
2: for sure, like nuclear energy has had an interesting past. I recently kind of just watched a bunch of videos about it.
1: Okay, we're going to talk about it. Yeah. (laughs) So this is the mindset, though, that David kind of adopted as well. Yeah. And when he was 14 in May of 1991, he did earn his atomic energy merit badge. And he did so by building a model of a nuclear reactor using a juice can, coat hangers, soda straws, kitchen matches, and rubber bands. And he also visited a hospital radiology unit to learn about the medical uses of radioisotopes and writing a couple papers and a diagram about nuclear fission and nuclear energy. Mm -hmm. But this also gave him an idea.
2: Build a reactor.
1: Mm -hmm. We'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. So his father and stepmother became a little worried that he was making and selling drugs (laughs) because I guess because he was a shy, quiet kid, too, though. Right. And like chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of
2: white powders in chemistry.
1: Yeah. So they began to check in at the public library where David told him that he was studying. But to their surprise, he was actually there surrounded by a huge pile of chemistry books. So just really deep in it. Yeah. Uh, They were worried that he might blow up their house someday. You know, he wasn't really experimenting as much at their house, but still. And he was only permitted to be home when they were home. They would literally lock him out when they left. And they'd always set like a return time so he could get back in. Yeah. His stepmother began to search his room to get rid of any chemicals and equipment that she found hidden. Yeah. So like his Clinton Township home is like getting on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Locked down. And as mentioned earlier, at school, he wasn't much of a student. He did struggle in math and reading, and he was a terrible speller, as we've learned. I, it, it's hard to be a science person to be bad at math, though. I know. I was thinking that, too. Be, well, and that might actually attribute to some of the things that happened. So. That makes yep. Yeah. So his former science teacher would go on to note later that his dream was David's dream was to collect every element on the periodic table, even the radioactive ones.
2: They make periodic tables like that at now that have like little, oh, little spots, little like yeah like flex or like chunks of yeah. the elements
1: interesting, yeah, and throughout high school he he had friends and he had a girlfriend, so it was he he wasn't like a recluse or anything yeah. you know, like completely reclusive or anything. His girlfriend would go on to say that he was very sweet and caring, noting that one time after a week long trip that she took to Florida, she came home to find a pile of lengthy love letters, oh, yeah, so he's not you know. Yeah. Flying solo. Right. But remember that new idea that David had?
3: Yep.
1: Well, or at this point, he wanted to irradiate everything he could, basically. That was yeah. kind of the new idea and the new focus. So let's take a side journey into the history of nuclear power in the U.S. Okay. In 1961, the government opened up two experimental breeders at test sites in Idaho. Breeder reactors are at the core of nuclear power, and they're a type of nuclear reactor which produces More fissile materials or materials where the atoms can basically easily be split Mm -hmm. than they consume. And by all means, if I get anything wrong and you know the right thing, tell me. Okay. (laughs) Because this is new territory for like most of this is new territory. I've heard these words, but like.
2: Okay. I'm no expert by any means, but.
1: I think I understand nuclear energy more now though actually after writing it. It's this. like really
2: like not that complicated when you get to the core of it. It's just there's a lot of words. Yeah.
1: And there's a lot of specific um elements. I mean like that, that that's yeah. really what it is and they all have different numbers based on the um the little thingies in atoms. Numbers. Thank you.
3: Yeah or
2: no the not atoms nuclei. the uh, nucleus Electrons, so protons neutron- and neutrons protons and neutrons are in the nucleus and electrons orbit them.
1: Okay. So based on those different things, I know the number thingy changes.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) I call it the number thingy. Yeah. So where was I? And basically, this is a way to generate electricity while producing new fuel. Yeah. So that's like a big deal. That's why everybody was interested in it. Yeah. By 1963, Detroit Edison opened the Enrico Fermi One power plant, the nation's first and only commercially run breeder reactor. And over the next decade, Congress put billions of dollars towards the Clinch River Breeder Reactor in Tennessee. So kind of building it up. Yeah. Uh, During the Nixon years, the chairman of the Atomic Energy Commission predicted breeder reactors would be the backbone of a nuclear economy and plutonium might replace gold.
2: Oh, sure, Jan.
1: (laughs) But the first Idaho breeder shut down after suffering a partial core meltdown. And the second created electricity missing that fuel, though. Just didn't actually work. Uh, The Fermi plant was in Michigan. Yeah. It was about 60 miles from Clinton Township. Mm -hmm. And it had mechanical problems, accidents, and budget overruns that produced electricity at such a high cost that Detroit Edison didn't even bother to break down the cost. Yeah. They looked in and they were like, nah. Yeah. Mm, Cannot do this. So in 1966, the plant's core had a partial meltdown on top of all this after a cool system malfunction, and six years later, it was shut down for good. In 1983, it was estimated that completion costs would empty the federal budget for energy research, and the Clinch River program was also shut down in Tennessee. Yeah. So just a quick overview of the U.S.'s nuclear history.
2: There's still like three in Michigan, though, I think, currently, right?
1: I mean, there's still some yeah. across the nation for yeah, sure. Yeah. These were just, these the were the early ones
2: days, the early days. They got
1: shut down because
2: shit went down. Yeah.
1: They had meltdowns. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have meltdowns all the time, so I get it. <laughs>
2: you just got shut down. Yeah.
1: But back to David. Yeah. Over the next couple of years, well, he was on his quest to irradiate anything he could. And this would eventually lead to him trying to create a breeder reactor. Mm hmm. This type of process relies heavily on radioactive elements, naturally, Mm -hmm. usually uranium-235 or plutonium-239, as the fuel to create a sustained chain of reactions, also known as fission. Yep. Fission, and I'm explaining things because I had to look things up, so I know you probably know. No, no, no. (laughs) I love hearing it. So fission happens when a neutron combines with the nucleus of a radioisotope like uranium-235. And it turns it into Mm Uranium-236. So same element, new number thingy, uh, different, you know, um, it's different at that point in time. And the stability changes as well. The problem is that the new isotope is very unstable and immediately splits in half, creating two smaller nuclei and releasing a lot of energy, radiant energy. Mm -hmm. Some of it being heat and several neutrons. So basically releasing a lot of crap that doesn't necessarily have somewhere to go. Yeah. And isn't as predictable. Yeah. The neutrons are absorbed by other uranium 235 so neighbors. Yeah. And that process starts all over again. It's like popcorn. Yeah, I was going to say it's it's just like it's one chaotic thing kind of like boom. Little parts attached to other things, and then they start it, and then they boot. Like, yeah, it's like a chain
2: reaction, and the energy released they use it like the heat they use to heat water, that, then steam turbines. Like, it's basically like
0: mm-hmm.
2: all the other plants, basically, it's some kind of turbine being spun. It's just the heat being generated to get, make the steam mm-hmm. to turn the turbine mm-hmm. is from nuclear instead stuff like gas, mm-hmm. or
1: but in some cases, kind of like in an unstoppable fashion, too. Yeah, where it just kind of keeps going. And like, how do you harness that then? Yeah yeah so um very bre- carefully <laughs> a breeder reactor is created by a core of plutonium two thirty nine that is surrounded by a quote unquote blanket of uranium two thirty eight so when the plutonium gives off neutrons they are absorbed by the uranium two thirty eight to become nept neptunium yeah neptunium two thirty nine this, this they, is- there's
2: a weird planet streak in the periodic table
1: well the, I can see yeah there It's interesting how things are named.
2: Yeah, there's some weird ones. Mm -hmm. Californium. Mm
1: -hmm. So basically, though, at this point, radioactive decay occurs, and then Neptunium becomes Plutonium two thirty nine, which can replenish the fuel core. And I wrote "few" after that because that is that is the most like dense I'll get with that stuff. But I, it is interesting. I did have to read it a couple times. I do believe I understand now, but yeah. I love your popcorn analogy for that. Yeah. Uh, but it's also at the same time creating, you know,
2: it's like a popcorn bag that just never stops.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Until um, like
2: well, you like either the fuel rod goes bad or you like put the control rods. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: So David's going to do this, right? Uh-huh. So to create this process, first David had to build a gun basically to like fire the neutrons Yeah. And it would bombard isotopes with neutrons. To build this, he first had to get some radioactive materials, though, Uh as well as a Geiger counter, because that's important. Yeah. And create a number of cover stories and identities to get the information he needed. Yep. This is when it gets real juicy.
2: Scam clean.
1: So this is when David wrote to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, the NRC, and he claimed he was a physics instructor at Chippewa Valley High School, where he actually was a student. The agency's director of isotope production and distribution, Donald Erb, believed his alias and offered him a few tips on how to isolate and obtain radioactive elements. Perfect. Mm-hmm. He also explained to David some of the characteristics of a few key isotopes and sent a list of ones that can sustain a chain reaction. Uh huh. David then asked Donald about the risks and Donald assured him that, quote, dangers are very slight. Further indicating that quote. Possession of any radioactive materials in quantities and forms sufficient to pose any hazard is subject to nuclear regulatory commission licensing. Uh uh-huh. so kind of like, yeah, you don't need to worry about that because like it, for somebody to obtain that much, it would go through us. Yeah. You know, kind of a thing.
2: Our system's foolproof.
1: Yes. Is so it though? is it though? In addition to this, David also wrote to the American Nuclear Society, the Edison Electric Institute, and the Atomic Industrial Forum for information about obtaining the raw materials that he'd need, and other places too, because he would write up to twenty letters a day under the fake identity of being a high school science teacher.
2: I mean, I wonder how many spelling mistakes if he can't spell "caution."
1: I hope that he used spell check. I mean, this is the '90s; there was computers. That's true. He might have had some spell check action.
2: He had to
3: have.
1: Because otherwise, people would be like, no. Yeah. After all this, he now knew what he needed. He needed about 14 radioactive isotopes Americium 241 as mercury. Kn- Is that how you say it? Americarium?
2: Americium. yeah. There's Wait.
1: no, 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 there's not a second R. Let me see. It's like America, but instead of an A, it's an I U uh, M.
2: Just go on. I think you said it right.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to make Google say it out loud.
2: I was going to, but I didn't. Let's see how. Let's see how to say.
1: Put it in, the, yeah.
0: Americium.
2: Americium. Americium. Okay,
1: that is.
0: Americium.
2: We'll go one more time slowly.
0: Americium.
1: It's a definite "should" noise. Yeah. So we'll go with that. Sure. So some of the things he would need were americium two forty one, as he knew from a Boy Scout atomic energy booklet, that could be found in smoke detectors. Mm-hmm. He also needed radium-226, which could be found in antique luminous clocks. Yep. And he needed uranium-238 and uranium-235, which can be found in a black ore known as pitch blend, and thorium-232, which can be found in Coleman-style gas lanterns. Okay. So first up, americium, americium <laughs> 241 He contacted the makers of... Smoke detectors. Yeah. And he claimed he needed them for a a large number of them for a school project. Yeah. From one company alone, he purchased about 100 broken detectors for a dollar a piece. And that's just one of the sources. Yeah. And remember when he got kicked out of Boy Scout camp?
2: Yeah, for blowing the tent, right?
1: Or well, no, he got kicked out for stealing smoke detectors. Oh,
3: yeah. He didn't get kicked
1: out for the tent thing because that was a bunch of them. Got kicked out another year for smoke yeah. detectors theft. So problem is he didn't know where the Amrishium was located. So he pulled it out again and he wrote to BRK Electronics in Aurora, Illinois. One of their customer service representatives wrote back that she was happy to help young David with his report. Mm -hmm. She explained that the Amrishium 241 was sealed in a gold matrix to make sure that Crojan doesn't break it down and release it. And thanks to her help, David was able to extract the material from the smoke detectors. So, americium 241, check. Yep. This is why he needed it. So, as americium 241 de- decays, it emits alpha rays of protons and neutrons. He placed the americium he extracted inside of a hollow block of lead with a small hole in on one side so that basically alpha rays would stream out of it. Mm-hmm. Like pew, 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 pew. Yeah. And in front of the block, he put a sheet of aluminum since its atoms absorb alpha rays and kick out neutrons. So he basically had like an on off switch for this with the aluminum. Now young David had produced a neutron gun. He was ready to irradiate things. I'm not
2: going to take it
1: anymore. (laughs) This is when he decided that uranium-235 would probably make the biggest reaction because it is used in atomic weapons. Mm He started to look through hundreds of miles of the UP in his car for, quote unquote, hot rocks with his Geiger counter. But all he could find was a small amount of that pitch blend stuff, as mentioned, on the shores of Lake Huron. Mm -hmm. He wanted more. So he wrote to this is wild. He wrote to a Czechoslovakian firm that sells uranium to commercial and university buyers, a name he had gotten from David Erb at the NRC. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. When he contacted the firm, he claimed to be a professor buying for a nuclear research lab at Macomb Community College. Uh huh. This would gain him a few samples of a black ore containing small amounts of uranium 235 and uranium 238. He pulverized it with a hammer to create a dust out of it. Oh my God. And then David thought he could use nitric acid to isolate the uranium itself. Okay. Problem was, he couldn't find a commercial source for nitric acid as it's used to create explosives and very tightly controlled. Yeah. You can't just go to the store. So he made his own. He If you
2: can't make your own nitric acid, store boughts just fine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So he heated saltpeter and sodium bisulfate and then he bubbled uh, the gas that was released through water and produced nitric acid. Easy peasy, right?
2: I may have done that in a lab once. During one of those classes.
1: Yeah. I mean. it's did
2: a lot of weird experiments. Yeah. But it was in a controlled setting in well, a classroom yeah. lab.
4: with That's Hume-Hund. where you're
1: supposed to do that. Yeah. He then mixed it with a powdered ore and he boiled it up and he ended up with a substance that in his words looked like a dirty milkshake. Yum. So he poured that through a coffee filter hoping the uranium would pass through. But he miscalculated its solubility and it was trapped in the filter making it hard to purify so kind of like fail. Yeah. Right. Wow pop. So he decided to turn his efforts to thorium 232, founding Coleman lanterns. Uh. Uh-huh. Specifically their mantles, which is the small cloth pouch over the flame. Okay. Mhm. Well,
2: I know I'll exactly say this what you're talking
1: about, second. yeah. Basically they can take intense heat. Thor- yeah. Thorium 232 can be heated up super hot. So yeah. that it's, you know, one of the few things that can kind of a deal. Yeah. And basically when it's bombarded with neutrons, it produces uranium-235, uh, which it oh no, uranium-233, which is a man-made fissionable element. Okay. So thorium, just side note, name for the god Thor, yep. which I was like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Has a high, oh, the high melting point, as mentioned, it is usually used to manufacture airplane engine parts because of that. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's in the gas lanterns. Yeah. So naturally knowing all of this, David purchased thousands of lantern mantles uh-huh. from surplus stores and used a blowtorch to turn them into a pile of ash. And Shot there you go. Shot
2: at it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So next up, he had to isolate the thorium from the ash, though. Because, uh-huh. you know, you, you want to purify it. Right. So he remembered reading in one of his father's chemistry books that lithium is prone to binding with oxygen. So basically, if you torch it, it would take the oxygen out of the thorium dioxide and leave a more pure form behind. Mm -hmm. To do this, David purchased $1,000 worth of lithium batteries and cut them in half with wire cutters. Holy shit. Uh He then placed the lithium and thorium ash together in a ball of aluminum foil and heated the ball with a Bunsen burner. This process purified the thorium to about 9,000 times the level it is found at in nature and about 170 times the level that requires NRC licensing. Oh, my God. Uh, but basically, you could use all this stuff to make. Yeah. Yeah, what he wanted. Uh, but the emersium, um, emersium, 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 Oh, my God. D. Emersium, he had, it wasn't strong enough, so he needed to find some radium. Uh-huh. Where do we know radium's at?
4: Clocks, Clocks and stuff.
1: yeah. And it's the paint. Yeah. We've talked about the the radium girls and you know things like that before a yeah. few times. Also automobiles, airplane instrument panels and things like that. It was used through the late sixties, which I didn't know it was quite yeah. that late, but yeah. So he began to visit junkyards and antique stores looking for radium coated clocks. When he found them, he'd chip off the paint and slowly started collecting it. Then one day while driving through Clinton Township, his Geiger counter went wild when he was passing Gloria's Resale Boutique Antique. Uh-huh. So inside he found an old table clock where he discovered a treasure trove of radium in the back. And by that I mean a vial.
3: Wow. A whole
1: vial of radium. He bargained with them, quickly bought it for $10. This kid. Uh-huh he was so happy by this discovery that he dropped by the boutique later that night to leave a note for the owner, basically saying if she received another similar clock to contact him immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually, he did bargain for $10. They wanted more and they ended up having to call the owner and be like, this kid wants this clock, but he won't sit for $10. Is that okay? And she was like, "Mm, sure. You know, kind of thing. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, you found a whole vial of the stuff you're like searching for and you, you couldn't shell out like,
2: Right. You've already spent $1,000 on like some other bullshit. Yeah. Well, like support I guess you could Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, support local yeah. business in
2: Czechoslovakia. So Czechoslovakia still exists.
1: Um, it's the Czech it's, Republic. It's now. the Czech Republic. Yeah. Okay. So, he then concentrated the radium by using barium sulfate from the x ray ward at a local hospital because, as you remember, he had visited it for the badge. Yeah. And they basically were like, oh, yeah, it's you again. <laughs> Hey, kiddo. hmm Here you go. And he heated it until it liquefied. Then he mixed the barium sulfate with the radium paint chips and strained it through a coffee filter into a beaker that began to glow. Huh. huh. <laughs> he then dehydrated the solution into a salt form so he could put it into another lead block for a new gun.
2: This is crazy.
1: I know. It's... Why? They like, just beyond my it's beyond my comprehension i did keep all the sciencey stuff in because i do think it's interesting yeah and it's just wild
2: it's just crazy to think like this kid taught himself how to do a lot of this too of like this chemical reaction and like kind of like before like google was really popping you know
1: google didn't exist
2: i think google started in the mid-90s but yeah Or maybe I think of Yahoo. Anyway.
1: I don't think. No, Google didn't exist at at that point. I'm almost sure. Or if it did, it was very rudimentary. But I'm pretty sure it was like 1998 or something. Okay, I could be wrong.
2: It at least wasn't where you could look up the answer to anything. No. Look, in
1: 1994, nobody was doing that. Right. Yeah. So David remembered that herb from the NRC had told him that nothing produces neutrons from alpha reactions, as well as beryllium. Is that how you say it?
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: Okay. So David had a friend swipe a strip of beryllium from a chemistry lab at Macomb Community College and placed it in front of the lead block that held his radium. He started to bombard his thorium and uranium powders in an attempt of creating some fissionable atoms, and he measured his results with his Geiger counter. The thorium seemed to grow more radioactive, but the uranium did not. Uh. Uh-huh. Now he, as Professor Hahn, his alias, yeah. wrote to his good old friend Herb again at the NRC to discuss the issues. Herb, of course, had the answers for Professor Hahn. Yeah. David's neutrons were too fast for the uranium. He had to slow them down with a water chemical mixture. Yeah, He looked at his list of commercially available radioactive sources and discovered that tritium, which is used to boost the power of nuclear weapons is found in glow in the dark guns and bow sights. So what did he do? He went to the sporting goods store. Yep. He would remove the tritium, which was uh, in a waxy substance in the sights. Uh Then he would return the sights for repair to collect another sample.
4: Oh
2: my gosh.
1: Mm -hmm. And when he had enough, he smeared it over the beryllium strips and targeted the gun at the uranium powder. This time, it appeared that the powder was growing more radioactive every day, according to his Geiger counter. So by this point, we are at the year 1994. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly when this journey started, somewhere like 91 to 94, somewhere in there. David is 17, and he has acquired and created everything he needs to build a breeder reactor. Crazy. For his model, he would use the actual radioactive elements and produce real reactions. He created a blueprint based on a schematic he found in one of his father's college textbooks. Uh He knew that he needed at least 30 pounds of enriched uranium, though, or else he wouldn't be able to sustain a chain reaction. But this didn't deter him. He still wanted to get as far as he could with what he had. Yeah. Because that, I mean, 30 pounds is inordinate. He completely ignored safety precautions as a surprise to no one at this point. right. David mixed his radium with americium and beryllium and aluminum. He did this by putting them through another round of pulverizing and he mixed either isotopes with beryllium and aluminum shavings. He surrounded this with small foil wrapped cubes uh-huh. of thorium ash and uranium powder, which were stacked in alternating patterns, which is very important for this whole process uh-huh. with carbon cubes in the alternating pattern. Yeah. And then he held it all together with duct tape. Hey. To have something be so precise and then like it's just like wrapped in duct tape is... Right. Hilarious. So basically now he had a makeshift reactor core.
3: Wild. Uh-huh.
1: So after this sat for one week, his Geiger counter could detect it from his bedroom. Because again, it's in the shed.
3: Yeah.
2: Across the yard. Mm-hmm.
1: And this is when it occurred to him that he could be putting himself and maybe a few others in danger. Up until then, his biggest safety precaution was a lead poncho and throwing away his clothing or changing his shoes. Oh, shit. Yeah. So he talked with his friend who was very nuclear savvy named Jim Miller. And Jim warned him that real reactors use control rods to regulate nuclear reactions.
2: Instead of carbon cubes and duct tape.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And he recommended cobalt, which absorbs neurons but doesn't become fissionable. So David purchased a set of cobalt drill bits at the hardware store and he inserted them between the thorium and uranium cubes, but it only kind of worked. Yeah, it was still questionable. We'll say, yeah, after one month of this thing existing, the Geiger counter could pick up the radiation as far as five houses away, even through concrete. And this is when he really began to worry about the safety of others.
3: Now,
2: yeah, uh-huh. he's like, oh, shit,
1: I did this a thing. could be bad. Yeah. I did a thing, and it's not Science great. has gone too far yeah. this time. Yeah, Blinded me with science. <laughs> uh, he decided it would be best not to store it all together, as no he had been shit. doing, and so he disassembled the reactor. He hid the thorium pellets in a shoebox in his mother's house. He left the radium and americium in the shed, and he packed the rest of it into the trunk of his Pontiac 6000. So, 2.41 a.m., August 31st, 1994. Clinton Township Police responded to a call about a young man who was stealing tires from a car. Neighbors had seen this happening. Yeah. When the police arrived, David told him that he was meeting a friend. And there was no direct evidence of him stealing tires, but he was acting odd, so naturally they were like... What's up? Yeah we would like to see inside the car. Yeah. They were very surprised by what they found. When they opened the trunk, they found a toolbox shut with a padlock and sealed with duct tape. They also found foil-wrapped cubes of mysterious gray powder, small discs, some cylindrical metal objects, and mercury switches. Bit alarming. Yeah. And this is when David told them that the toolbox was radioactive. Don't open it.
2: It's radioactive. No.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And they feared that it was an atomic bomb. So the car was towed to the police HQ and Michigan State Police Bomb Squad and Department of Public Health were called in. The teams discovered that the toolbox was not an atomic bomb, but that his trunk did contain the radioactive materials thorium and americium. The Federal Radiological Emergency Response Plan was put into place and state officials were soon in talks with the Department of Energy, EPA, FBI, and NRC. You're in trouble. A little bit. Uh, David was not that helpful with authorities. He gave his father's address but failed to mention his mother's.
2: Oh, my
3: God.
1: Uh huh. And it wasn't until Thanksgiving Day, so a couple months later, that a radiological expert from DPH, Public Health, talked to David. David told him that he was trying to make thorium in a form to use to make energy because that success would help him earn his Eagle Scout status. He also finally gave up the location of the lab in the shed in Commerce. Yeah. On November 29th, the shed was surveyed. Radiological experts found an aluminum pie pan, Pyrex cups, milk crates, and other materials that were all contaminated up to about 1,000 times the normal levels of background radiation. They also determined that no radioactive materials were leaked outside of the shed. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, the authorities. Those pe-
2: pie pans did their job. Yes.
1: The authorities petitioned for federal help to clean up the site. But since David was not a member of the NRC. Surprising he isn't. At- mm-hmm, it was determined it wasn't their jurisdiction, but rather the EPA's. Uh-huh. So on January 25th, 1995, only about five months after he's pulled over. The EPA did their first official site assessment and declared the site to, quote, present an imminent endangerment to public health and added that there was, quote, actual or potential exposure to nearby human populations, animals or food chain. Yikes. And they further went on to cite basically that if some of these items could be easily moved by wind or rain, things could potentially migrate or be released. Yeah. So the EPA went on to designate David's mother's property as a super fun, hazardous material cleanup site in just like a neighborhood. Yeah. Which is wild to think about. Right. It's usually like a big ass factory. Right. Or like some like weird dump site in the middle of nowhere, you know, like right.
2: not your neighbor's fucking shed.
1: Mm-mm. So the cleanup occurred between June 26th and 28th at a cost of $60,000. Moon-suited officials, as mentioned, dismantled the shed with electric saws, filled 39 sealed barrels, and shipped its remains to be buried at EnviroCare, a low-level radioactive waste site in the Salt Lake Desert of Utah. Uh, So upon inspection, the flora and fauna in the backyard appeared unharmed, though. So good news there. That's good, yeah. It wasn't until 1997, so two years later, that authorities heard about the contents which Patty, David's mother, had discarded.
2: Oh, my God! She so probably just like threw in a bag, and
1: they dump. never knew the full extent of the neutron gun or radium,
2: oh my God!
1: yeah, no, she was she oh, went, this, went on to junk basically, this shot I gotta tidy it up. She got nervous when this all started happening, so yeah. yeah, and it was just thrown out in the garbage, of course, so there's just radium in the gar- like like a decent amount, you know what I mean yeah. like it's not it's not it's not like in a watch or something. it's still not good and that amount. And either, but, you could
2: probably track it with it. Like, if you go to the dump and hold a geyser counter, you could probably find it, like the amount.
1: Oh, sure. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So once all was said and done, David refused medical evaluation when the EPA tried to arrange for him to be examined at the nearby Fermi nuclear power plant because he feared what he might learn. Fair. Uh huh. He also became very depressed. You know, his years of work had all been thrown out literally into the garbage. Students at school started to call him radioactive boy. Uh Uh-huh. Very creative burn. Right. His girlfriend at the time tried to cheer him up by sending him balloons at school on Valentine's Day, but they were seized by the principal who feared their contents. Oh, my God. Yep. And David was denied his Eagle Scout status as his extracurriculars had endangered the community.
2: That's a fair point.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. He did graduate from high school, but he didn't really have a plan after that. Uh-huh. So in the fall of 1995, his father and stepmother encouraged him to go to Macomb Community College, where he enrolled in a metallurgy program. But he skipped a lot. Yeah. He was then given the ultimatum to join the military, and he enrolled in the Navy. At first, his duties were mostly like, you know, deck swabbing. Yeah. And potato peeling and all that kind of stuff.
2: Scrub the poop deck.
1: (laughs) That good old poop deck. Yeah. But when his shipmates went to sleep, he stayed up studying things like steroids, melanin, genetic codes, antioxidants, prototype reactors, amino acids, and criminal law. Work. I don't know that he was necessarily charged with anything, but I think if he was, it was expunged. Yeah. Because he was young.
2: It's it's different. He was 17. He's
1: trying to do science. (laughs) Let
2: the boy do his science.
1: Oddly enough, though, it turned out he was assigned to the nuclear powered carrier called the USS Enterprise as an undesignated seaman. But he was not stationed to work on the ship's eight reactors. Yeah. Good call there. Yeah. EPA scientists basically worried his previous exposure may have cut his life short already at this point.
2: So they got to throw him in the nuclear sub.
1: Mm-hmm. And he served a four year tour with the Navy and eventually he achieved the rank of Interior Communications Specialist as a Petty Officer Third Class.
2: Army rank or the military titles are so funny. I know sometimes. petty, yeah, petty
1: officer. Also, the word
2: colonel. Why? <laughs> Why? I've been reading it a lot lately because I've been reading a James Bond book and it's talking about colonel and it's like
1: calm, calm colonel. L. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. where's the R?
1: <laughs> where's the R? Uh, the R. It. Uh, it's not a silent R. It's an
2: invisible an R. Invisible
1: R. Yeah. So uh, around this time, a reporter from Harper's interviewed David. And David noted that his attempt to build the breeder reactor was a way from it for him to escape his trauma. Um, you know. Sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, I mean, I think he did have, you know, no, ever, for sure. Yeah. But yeah. don't build not nuclear all things. Don't build nuclear reactors. Yeah. Yeah. But he explained that he was a very emotional kid and his experiments were a way to get away from that. Fair. So after the Navy, he enlisted in the Marine Corps and he was stationed. That's another word, Corps. Yeah. <laughs> Just speaking of words. Yep. Corpse. Yep. Uh, and he was stationed in North Carolina. He eventually achieved the rank of Lance Corporal. And after a few years, he went on rotation in Japan. He was honorably discharged for medical reasons and he returned to Michigan. And there's a reason we're going into more yeah. of his life. At age 31, he was back in Macomb County, and the FBI received a lead that he was in possession of neutron sources in his freezer. When he was asked about it via a telephone call, he insisted he had no radioactive materials on site. Those are just corn dogs. Yeah. (laughs) And this is when the FBI decided to follow up with an in-person interview. Yeah. As a result of this, on May 16, 2007, investigators questioned him in person on a number of topics, including the flyers he had distributed promoting his book and upcoming film, theft of tires and rims from a vehicle before his Navy service, a diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And a few more topics as well. Yeah. They also interviewed an anonymous individual who indicated that David was using cocaine often, not taking his prescribed medication, and was paranoid about people who he claimed, quote, had the ability to shock his genitals with their mind. It's a real fear. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I, he's he's struggling yeah, at this yeah. point. Yeah,
2: Probably the radiation. I was just, mis-
1: I, don't, I, it's, you know, our brains and brain chemicals are weird, but also like, well, you do add you know, nuclear <laughs> like, reactions into that, that's well, like, scary. The
2: reason why radiation causes problems in humans, at mm-hmm. least like, in terms of, like with things like cancer and stuff, or like damage, is those neutrons mm-hmm. like blow through the DNA and cause errors. So basically, like a cancer cell is caused by like radioactive is basically like a neutron just like hit the DNA in the right spot that just like messed up. And so now this DNA is just like being replicated out of control. That's what a tumor is.
1: It's just like
2: broken cell. that just like won't turn off. Okay. Yeah.
1: That's a good way to describe that.
2: It's my biology minor.
1: (laughs) No, but you're also good at breaking it down into like a more understandable, like way of thinking about it. So yeah, I mean like I, and I don't know anything about, you know, the state of his mental health, like previous to all this stuff or anything like that. Um, I just thought it worth mentioning because it was mentioned in the sources I was reading. And the same anonymous individual also believed that David was still trying to build a reactor and collecting radium. So he didn't think that David wanted to hurt anybody, but he was concerned about what David could do in his mental state.
2: Yeah. Science might go too far again.
1: Yeah. And the investigation likely led to what happened next Mm -hmm. in August of... August of 2007, David was charged with larceny in Clinton Township for removing 16 smoke detectors from the halls of the apartment complex where he lived. Bruh. Uh huh. They were later found in his apartment. Obviously, many thought it was a possible effort to experiment again. And. Because what the hell else do you do with that many smoke detectors? You only okay. need one. Yeah. And in his mugshot, his face was covered with open sores, which were quite possibly from constant exposure to radioactive materials. Yeah, I'll show it to you at some point. Ooh. I, it, I'm not sure if we'll post it or not, but you can easily find it if you would like to see it.
2: That's when the radio, like radiation, can also kill things if you just keep pointing at it long enough. because It just breaks it down.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like it's a, yeah, yeah. So. When his apartment was searched by the state police bomb squad, they found no hazardous materials throughout. Mm -hmm. He did plead guilty to attempted larceny of a building and the court's docket said prosecutors recommended that he be sentenced to time served and enter an impatient treatment facility, which that part is you know. Yeah. yeah. Under the terms of his plea, the original charge of larceny would be dismissed. So, trying to get him a little bit of help. Yeah. He would eventually be sent to Sentenced to 90 days in jail for the larceny with a delay of six months for medical treatment in the psychiatric unit of Macomb County Jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, David passed away in September of 2016 at the age of 39 of drug and alcohol abuse, most likely. Yeah. Due to the combined effect of alcohol, diphenhydramine, so antihistamine. Yeah. And fentanyl.
3: Mm, yeah.
1: Yeah. Fentanyls. Was- some nasty, yeah, nasty stuff. And that is the story of the radioactive Boy Scout David Hahn from
2: It's so wild. Michigan. Yeah. It's so wild. I forgot that he was from here.
1: Yeah. I'm surprised I haven't heard this story earlier. Yeah. Because it literally in the it's been in the past year that I've heard this for the first time. Yeah. And I just remember being like, what? How how have I never heard that? Like I literally was in the area. Granted, yeah. I was not. You're probably just like at that weird Reading age history. where you were
2: too young to like really remember yeah, it. Yeah. Like I, we were really paying attention to the news. I was
1: going to say, I was trying to do the math and like, granted, I probably was like middle school age. I don't know when like the articles, you know, and stuff yeah. would have been coming out. And like in middle school.
2: I was grabbing the paper just for the comics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If that even. Yeah. like
2: Sometimes the crossword.
1: Ooh, you were, you were a smart middle I was
2: never age. good at the crossword. I could maybe fill in one, mm-hmm. but I always like to try.
1: That much better. Fair. I love a
2: crossword, I've realized. I love a puzzle. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: Like a word search. Give me a word I search. I love a word
1: search. I do love a word search. But uh, crossword, I get like really annoyed if I can't get one.
2: Yeah. Um, so I get
1: mad. <laughs> I get this, mad at that crossword.
2: I get that. This like email newsletter I've been getting every day. Like one of those like new skim ones. Mm-hmm. They have a puzzle every day. And sometimes it's a crossword and I love it. And you can, Ooh, it nice. I like when you can do it. I like doing it digitally. So you do like check the grid and it'll show you what's wrong. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: I would like that better, actually, because yeah. that's the other thing, too, is like, if you, you just, don't, have if you a don't key, know, you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. I do want to say if anybody's interested in a deeper dive, the reporter who wrote that Harper's article that I mentioned very briefly, it's named uh, Ken Silverstein, and he also wrote a book about it. Uh-huh. So it's called the Radioactive Boy Scout from 2004. And I also used his article from Harper's uh, harpers.org. dot org. And it's the Radioactive Boy Scout from November 1998. Uh-huh. And in addition to that, DangerousLaboratories.org and Wikipedia and uh, a BoredPanda.com story called, guess it, Radioactive Boy Scout David Hahn. <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
1: that, that name really stuck. Yes, it really did stuck. It really did stuck. Yep. Uh <laughs> And I mean, like I do have, I have some photos. Like I said, you know, we'll try to post at least some of them. But they're very accessible and easy to find online. There are a couple shows and things like that that have mentioned this too. But dang, yeah, <laughs> I just woo.
2: It's just like crazy to think that like somebody just like put that together and just like Mm-mm. like taught themselves to do a nuclear reactor. Like I. I can relate on some level because I was, I'm kind of a tinkerer. I like to know how things work, mm-hmm. but never at that level. Well, the
1: big thing about this one too is like, also th- just the the desperation to do it because I gathering all those materials. Like yeah. that's the part of the story that when I was really reading it, because I, you know, heard the um synopsis basically like yeah. the, this boy built a nuclear reactor in his shed, and then, you know, right th- that is a story in and of itself. But the way he gathered everything.
2: Right. You just zoom in Wild. and see like all the shit that he did. Yes. Well, I think you've earned a two truths and a lie. Yes. And I can tell you it has nothing to do with science.
1: Oh, good. Because yeah. my brain can't take anymore.
2: Fair. Um, I really struggled. <laughs> I it, When it gets really dense science. Mm hmm. Well, this uh, comes courtesy of Mental Floss.
1: Ooh, we love her.
2: I just couldn't pass this up because the article was titled sexting in the 30s, like the 1930s. Oh. And so it's acronyms and code used in like saucy letters in the 30s, like
1: I'm excited already.
2: So the first one is Egypt, which stands for eager to grab your pretty tits. Okay. Number two is Greece, which stands for Getting Really Excited to Enjoy, Caress, and Enter. And then, yeah, they they were rotted in the 30s. Are they all places? Yeah, weirdly. like mo- I'm pretty sure yeah, they're all places. Okay. Which is also weird. And Burma. Be undressed slash upstairs, ready my angel.
1: Oh my god. Yeah. I just need to choose a number because... Egypt, Greece, and Burma. They all sound
2: if you wanted to hear of them again, let me know. No,
1: no, no. I because they all sound I'm gonna go with one being the lie. One is true. Okay. I knew it. Yeah. It's the tits. Yeah. Eager um, to grab
2: your pretty tits.
1: Two. I'm just gonna go with it. Two in order. is the lie.
2: Okay. I made that one up. Well done. Thank you. Then Burma is true. And here's the honorable mentions from the rest of the list. Holland, hope our love lasts and never dies. Oh, that was kind of sweet. Yeah. yeah. France, friendships remain and never can end.
1: Okay, now they're getting sweet and mushy. Yeah, I,
2: chose, I chose the dirty ones. Oh, okay, okay, yeah.
1: okay. There are
2: still some dirty ones hidden, but like Italy, I trust and love you. Okay. Malaya, I don't know if that's a place, but... My ardent lips await your arrival. That might just be like an acronym. I don't know if it's a place, but
1: Mom. Ma- How do you spell it?
2: M-A-L-A-Y-A. Like maybe that was like what Malaysia was known as before. Or like because I heard of like no, Malay. I
1: feel like that's like an island or something in yeah. the South Pacific or something like that. I feel like I've seen it, but I don't yeah. actually know. So
2: uh Norwich, uh knickers off, ready when I come home.
1: <laughs> that one's funny.
2: Right? England. Every naked girl loves a naked dick.
1: Oh, wow.
2: Yeah. China, come home. I'm naked already. Oh. And Venice, very excited now. I caress everywhere.
1: (laughs) That one's a little clunky, but... (laughs) Yeah.
2: Maybe it's supposed to be very excited now. I caress everywhere. Like Maybe there's a break.
1: Okay. Still, it doesn't flow a, as nice yeah, as some of the other it's ones. It's one of the
2: clunkier ones. Yeah, but I just thought those were fun. No, those like, are hilarious. I love the idea of this like old timey sexting.
1: I love it. That's absolute chef's kiss. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, thank you for bringing that. No problem. I think that we are wrapped, wrapped like
2: a home nuclear reactor in duct tape.
1: Oh, definitely. Yep. In the trunk of a Pontiac six thousand.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> So, if you want to find us on our social media, at Detroit Strange Facebook and Twitter, at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address, Detroit Strange at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.
1: And if you want to support the show or just put a little smile on our face, you can leave us a five-star review. Yeah. Uh, there's a few platforms that do reviews now, I do believe. So, yeah. that would be lovely. Uh, we'll read it if yeah. you leave us a five-star. And, you know, we've got a Patreon. We've got our thread list. all the stuff we always say tell a friend um, tell an enemy yeah Tell your mom shoot a message to us that it's always fun too we yeah. love it but i think
2: until next time stay, stay strange. strange
1: this has been a production of planet ant podcast powered by pinecast our theme song was recorded by detroit's own sex and violence And don't play with nuclear power. Don't do it. Don't try to irradiate anything on purpose. Don't be rude. No. Leave uranium alone. Yes. (laughs) I was trying to come up with a pun and I couldn't do it.
2: (laughs) It's hard on the spot. You're like,